another day here at the Comeback Team Studios, and I have one of the most extraordinary guests I've ever had. I have someone who worked for the state of New Jersey Prosecutor's Office of Bergen County, 27-year veteran, now retired, still consulting. His specialty were crimes involving sexual crimes, also known as the Special Victims Unit. He is a certified polygraphist. Is that correct? Polygraph examiner, yes. And he is also an expert in interrogating suspects. He now still consults uh, many law enforcement professionals on these techniques. And today, with everything in the recent news and the climate, I have the special guest, Eric Baum. Thank you so much for finally coming on the show. It's my pleasure, and, and the key word being finally, and it's a pleasure to be here especially to talk about a subject as important as this. Eric, with everything going on with the Epstein case, which is back all over the news, documents were just unsealed involving the case now that's brewing with Ghislaine Maxwell. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But to give kind of an outline of where we're going to go with this today, we're going to get to know a little bit about you, your career, how you got into it. And then we're really going to go down the rabbit hole into the mind of these over thousands of cases you've been involved in sexual crimes molestation rape abuse i mean you've seen the worst nightmares of anyone that has a family unfortunately i have seen it all when it comes to those types of crimes yes we're also going to give god willing some good information to someone if they're watching or listening to this on what they can do if they're being abused sexually physically mentally if it's from family friends someone they know someone they don't know and hopefully give them a way to get out of that situation uh, intact. And uh, I, I'm rarely nervous when I do these, Eric. And I know you. It's not like you're some person I've never met. We know each other four years. Yes. I'm nervous because I feel that this issue is so important, if not the most important right now that's out there across the world. And I want to do it service. So I hope everyone that's been following me uh, cuts me a little. Slow. I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. Well, it's very important. I, I, I understand, and please don't be nervous on my account, obviously. Um, and, and I agree with you how important this is. And if just this dialogue that you and I are having will enable any person that's being victimized to feel more comfortable in coming forward to prevent that abuse from happening to themselves as well as possibly somebody else that could be victimized, then it's worth it. If I said when I started my show, with all the shows and all the work, and uh, I, I'm not making millions of dollars, believe me, I'm, I'm on the losing end of this. It was never about that. I said, if I can save one life. I said, my dream when I started the comeback team, because it's about making comebacks, I believe no matter what situation people are in life, whatever they've been through, losing family, they're the victim of something horrible. You can always make a comeback because I want to prevent people from giving up hope and committing suicide. And, you know, there's so many different things. So I've always said my dream is one day somebody walks up to me randomly in the streets and says, Beck, I'm a fan of your show. You saved my life. Well, that's a powerful message. And, and, and that's my dream. It's a, it's a powerful message. And you deserve a lot of credit for taking the, the approach that you're taking. So I do a my, lot of casual stuff, too. And my we have kudos fun. to you with respect to that as well. Eric. Let's, let's, let's start a little light. We met about almost four years ago. It's been four years. Yes. The love of cigar smoking is what 
united us. And I've told many viewers, I don't recommend starting an unhealthy habit, but it's a lot better than a lot of the things that are out there. But you meet the most extraordinary, most amazing people. It's a great place to network, make friends, meet people. And I'd like to give a shout-out to the Cigar Room in Fort Lee. Yes. That's where I met you. Shout-out to Willie, Carlos, and Pep. Good people. Amazing. And I've met and I've made some amazing friends. And you are my friend in that group. I I'm, appreciate I'm so that. honored thank to you. know you. And uh, thank you. Thank you very much. So first things first, get a little comfortable. You're smoking a beautiful Ashton uh, Symmetry. It's one of my favorite cigars. Thank you very much. There's the light. My, I don't my, know where my, my torch is. My one and only vice, so... I, I will absolutely take advantage. And let's light up, man. Let's light up and let's get into this thing because we have a, a long way to go here. Eric, you're from New Jersey? I am originally, uh, I was born in New York. And the sorry city? about that. The city? Yep, I was born in Manhattan and my, uh, my family and I, we lived in Riverdale, Bronx okay. for a few years. And my father, I guess, and my mother made a decision that we were going to move out to the suburbs, and we ended up moving into Bergen County, New Jersey. Did you grow up in any of these towns? Around I grew here? up in Leonia. That's where I went to high school. Shout out to Le I know, Leonia Lions. <laughs> we know that. Shout out to the Lions. Mm -hmm. You guys voted that I'd have a talk show one day. I guess it came true. So, uh, New York guy, but grew up in Jersey. I was born in Texas, grew up in Jersey, but a lot of time on the other side of the water. That's where all the Albanians are, right? Yes. Um, when you were in school, did you know that you'd become, a, did you want to always become a, a, a police officer? When I was in high school, uh, the interest first peaked with me uh, about law enforcement. So in high school, you started having these thoughts? I started having the thoughts in high school about going into law enforcement. Um, my my first thoughts were, I didn't really know much about what field in law enforcement because you only knew that from being friends or associated with uh, the police in your hometown. And, you know, I knew them and they knew me. They were friends with my mother, you know, my brother. Um, so I was going to go right out of high school into law enforcement and wanted to go to become a New Jersey State Trooper. That was my first, uh, my first goal. To make my, my parents happy, which is I know was something that they, they cared a great deal about, they wanted me to get a college education, which thankfully I did, and it was, it was the best decision I made. So I went to college, four years, I got my degree in criminal justice. That definitely helps, I think. It, it helped. Definitely having a four-year degree helped to get and, your foot. And in that major. Yeah, to get your foot, especially to get your foot in the door in law enforcement. Where'd you go? I went to Stockton. It's called Richard Stockton State College now, uh, down in South New Jersey. Uh, got my uh, bachelor's degree in, in criminal justice there. And upon graduating college, I was again going to apply for the New Jersey State Police. And it just so happened that uh, a detective from my hometown of Leonia, who I was friends with, you probably remember him, his name was Joe Cleary. He was speaking to me about it, and he said, maybe you should consider doing some other type of law enforcement work rather than just doing what a state trooper does, being, you may be stuck in being a patrol officer, which there is nothing wrong with being a patrol officer. They are the front line of law enforcement. But he opened up... Uh, my thoughts about, okay, well, what, Specializing. Other, yeah, what other possibilities are there in terms of doing uh, investigative and detective work? And he recommended that 
I send a resume to the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office, which I did. And I was fortunate. I got interviewed at the prosecutor's office. And shortly thereafter, I was offered a position of employment with the prosecutor's office. Henceforth, the start of my career. For those of you that listen across the world and watch, we have fans all over the world from Australia to the UK. To, I mean, you name it. Just, I'm getting messages which thank you, by the way, everyone. that It's really encouraging. It keeps me moving. Um, Bergen County is a very famous county in the country of the United States, not just New Jersey. It's, you know, north, but not all the way at the northern part of New Jersey, but it starts literally right across from New York City, and it goes a little bit more west and a little bit, you know, towards the south part and north, but it's home to some of the most wealthy people in the world that they don't want to live in Manhattan, uh, 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 cities like Inglewood Cliffs and Alpine, you know, people like Chris Rock live there and Eddie Murphy. I mean, so we're talking about a very interesting county, you know, and um, so, you know, Leonia is literally a mile and a half to the George Washington Bridge. Yes. So I just want people to understand, and the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office is in a town called Hackensack, New Jersey, and Hackensack is actually mentioned in the movie Superman, the, the old version of the movie with Christopher Reeves, when Gene Hackman was like, and she's like, my mother's in Hackensack, he goes, like this with his head. So just to remind people, those movie buffs out there, that's what they're talking about. This is Bergen County. Home to a lot of really famous and interesting people, but also, I guess, home to a lot of devious people. That, that is unfortunately a fact, just as they're everywhere. Everywhere in, else, in, but everywhere yeah, I don't want to say we're the capital, but in it, they're everywhere. And, and maybe just to give you a little bit of, a, of an understanding of what the, the prosecutor's office is, um, the Bergen County prosecutor is the chief law enforcement officer for that county. And the prosecutor's office consists of a, of a, of a number of different personnel, uh, but primarily you have a prosecutorial staff which consists of assistant prosecutors. They are the ones that are responsible for bringing criminal cases through the judicial system in the courts. And the prosecutor's office also had separate from that specialized units of specially trained detectives to aid and assist local police departments in what we would call major crime investigations, such as if there was a homicide or a murder in Bergen County, the Bergen County Prosecutor's Office Homicide Unit would be the investigative unit that would do that investigation in conjunction with the local police department, but because of the expertise that those detectives have, that's what they would do. Also, if there was a crime of a sexual nature, the sex crimes and child abuse unit, which is what I was in for, the, for a good portion of my career, if there was an allegation of sexual assault or physical child abuse, those detectives would be the ones that would conduct those investigations. And they had other different units in, in the prosecutor's office, again, of specially trained detectives to assist local police departments with that expertise that those detectives had investigating those crimes. So you applied to Bergen County, they give you a job. I got a job. And your first title was? The very first title I had was a non-law enforcement position. It was called an agent in the prosecutor's office. And basically what, it, what that consisted of was, was I was assigned to a unit that would help prepare cases for presentation to grand juries. So you're not even really like a cop at this point? At this moment? Never went to police academy? Nope, at this no point. police academy, okay. nothing like that. So I spent about uh, seven, eight months 
as an agent in the prosecutor's office. And I was then given the opportunity to be, I guess you could technically say at the time, a, a promotion to what at that time was called an investigator in the prosecutor's office. They're now, we're now called detectives, but at the time in the, for the state of New Jersey, it was called an investigator. And I was hired into the prosecutor's office in that capacity as an investigator, and I was assigned to what was called the narcotic task force. Um, very, very simple in that career, uh, in, in that role. Uh, our job was, was to enforce what we called the controlled dangerous substance laws in the state of New Jersey. And how we did that was we would go out, conduct investigations, and ultimately arrest individuals that violated those controlled dangerous substance laws. And we did it in two, in two manners back then. And we, they still do it. Is and what years are we talking about? I mean, what, back, what, what that decades? Was in, when I first started, it was 1989. And we would do it in both what's called an undercover capacity, meaning I would portray myself as a drug buyer, buy drugs from an individual that was selling drugs, and ultimately arrest that individual, or in a surface capacity where we would go out and we would just find individuals that were involved in selling drugs, gather enough evidence to subsequently make arrests. And like you said, being where we are in Bergen County, we were in a unique spot because we were adjacent to the number one distribution point of drugs in the United States, New York City. And drugs would be transported both through Bergen County and outside of Bergen County by individuals bringing drugs into the city and then people coming into New York City, buying drugs, and bringing them out of the city through Bergen County. So it, it, was, it was very, very busy. It was a hot zone. It was a hot zone, and it, it, was, it was one of the most exciting times of my career uh, doing that. It was very exciting. Got been involved in a lot of things when I was uh, assigned in narcotics, um, search warrants, raids, couple chases here and there. Um, we used to do a lot of interdiction, interdiction meaning people that were coming across the bridge. Or also you could take, we had Newark on the south, we had Patterson on the west, and not to pick on those specific towns or jurisdictions there, but again, big hubs that would culminate in being surrounding Bergen County where the drugs were. So if I hear this correctly, you also did undercover work. I did do undercover work. Um, you did buys. I did some buys back back when I was when I was doing undercover work. I was very much into uh, weightlifting. I mean, you're in phenomenal shape right well, now. I lost. I mean, you're better shape than me. I, I lost a lot of weight when 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 unfortunately when uh, the coronavirus started. I went into a semi hibernation lockdown and said I'm going to get myself back in uh, some some better shape because I used to be a heavy weightlifter. So one of the things that I was I was doing as an undercover was I was buying illegal steroids from individuals. Steroids just, they were, they were always pretty popular, um, but not many people had any knowledge about steroids and the harm that they could do to individuals. They kill you. Yeah. And one of the things, because I was involved in, in, in weightlifting and in, in training like that, I was, a, I was a good fit to be able to meet individuals that, was, that were illegal. Were you going to like steroids. Bally's? I, <laughs> huh? I've gone into different gyms. 
they're not around no more. No, they're not around anymore. But there used to be a Bally's there. Yeah, I remember in Englewood Cliffs. Um, so you were literally going to gyms and kind of just, you know, be seen there and then see if anyone would try to. Yeah. Or, or you'd ask, hey, you know, I can get some juice. Or or we would, you know, through through working in narcotics, a lot of cases are are created and solved through the use of individuals providing information specifically about who's selling. You can, some people can call them the slang term, which I won't use, but we would call them confidential informants also. You know, without confidential informants, the multiple cases of a multitude wouldn't be solved without people supplying information to law enforcement about who may be responsible for specific crimes. So that's what I did for a, a few years uh, starting out in my career was working in narcotics. All right, that's pretty intense stuff. Tell us about the progression of the career and, and then ultimately we'll get to... Well, after, uh, after a few years working in narcotics, uh, I was then given an opportunity to move. And in the prosecutor's office, you could move from one investigative unit to another to another. Um, that's just the progression of things, um, depending on where manpower may be needed, so on and so forth. And I was then moved into what at the time was called the sex crimes and the child abuse unit. And Now, did you choose it or did they say, we really think this is, this is great for you, this is where you should move into? Do you remember? They, they chose me. I did not ask to go there. In fact, I was having you know, a great time you know, all my, all my friends were the ones that I started with in the prosecutor's office were all with me in narcotics. Um, but the natural progression is, is, you know, you, you ultimately you get moved to another unit. So any apprehension, just realizing that I move into this type of work, you're going to see some things that just, you're going to have a hard time sleeping at night. Did that cross your mind at all? It, it did. Um, a, another detective that I worked in the prosecutor's office with moved from narcotics before I did into the sex crimes and child abuse unit and was making recommendations to say, listen, I think you should, you should think about Eric Baum giving him the opportunity to come here um, because he's, he would be good. He would be good. This person knew me. And one of the things, Beck, that I, that I developed early on in my career was, I, I, I guess you could just say it as, as it was a knack to communicate with people. And to, and to communicate with people, to make people feel comfortable in talking to me, in opening up to me, you know, which all has to do with how you treat people and what you will get in return. You know, I've worked with, I've worked with cops that used to treat people, you know, like shit, can't, can't sugarcoat it. I wasn't that person. I always treated people with respect no matter what. Somebody was in trouble. I never made the person feel worse than they already felt at that moment in their life. I would try to build the person up a little bit and say, listen, you made a mistake in your life. That's a part of life. Use this mistake to learn, to move on in your life. And moving into the sex crimes and child abuse unit, I learned very, very quickly that that approach would be very, very successful in how I communicated with victims who the most important thing is to get that victim to feel comfortable to disclose one of the most horrific things that could happen to them being sexually assaulted and also with suspects who were accused of the crimes because I, I would also learn and I, and I learned early on that 
crimes of a sexual nature are very, very difficult to prove because the majority of the time, you only have one person's word against another's. You have an alleged victim who is saying that they were a victim of a sexual assault, and you have a suspect who would either acknowledge or deny it without any evidence whatsoever because the majority of crimes of a sexual nature may not always be reported immediately after the sexual assault. So I was able to develop a very, very good technique of communicating with suspects, especially when you had child sexual abuse cases. The last thing you wanna do is have a child have to go through that whole judicial process of even coming to court and testifying, knowing what happened to them. If I was able to get an individual to admit to what it is they did, then we basically eliminated that from happening and protecting that victim from having to continually go into a courtroom. With the person that hurt them. And, and so basically your motivation, if I'm hearing this correctly, and that's actually amazing what I'm, what, I'm, what I'm grasping here, is your motivation every day at that point in your life and your job Thank you. was if I can get this person who did this horrible thing, if I can get these skills of mine to make them confess, I just saved that victim some serious heartache, some terrifying experiences in court because unless you've been a victim, you don't know what it is to sit in front of that person. Maybe I, them just looking at you is traumatizing. And, and Beck, also think about it like this. That's think amazing. Of, think about if the abuse was intrafamilial. And by intrafamilial means it was a family member, a loved one, somebody that's trusted within the family. Victims don't want to see their loved ones and i you know i could say mother father older brother uncle whatever it may be whoever and, the and you've seen cases where the father was was the alleged predator many the mother times. sister cousin brother i mean you've seen it all right it happens it could be your own brother your sister your mother your father you've seen it all eric many times so if it would aid having that victim not have to deal with that then that's to me that was that was a, a good a good objective to do so one of the things that i garnered a lot of success with was getting what we called confessions somebody would come in an allegation would be made of sexual abuse after talking to the victim in the case you would then obviously have the opportunity to talk to the person that's being accused. And I developed a, a very, very good skill of getting these people to open up to me and ultimately admit to what it is they did. I mean, and, and, it's, and it's not easy. It's not easy. And, and those that worked sex crimes cases, especially child sexual abuse cases, they know. It, it, it's extremely difficult to get somebody to acknowledge and admit that they engaged in that kind of conduct with a child. But fortunately, I, I was able to, to get a great deal of success in doing that. And, and that was something that furthered my career uh, with, with respect to what it is that I, I've done for many, many years, which is teaching interview and interrogation and teaching law enforcement how to talk to people.
and how to help them get people to open up and to tell the truth. And, you know, I could, I could spend, I could spend a full day with you talking about the tactics and techniques, everything lawful, everything legal. I would never, ever use anything that was improper or illegal. If it wasn't done the right way, then it wasn't done at all. And explain why, because I, I, I know you told me about this when we spoke in the past. Why is it important for people in your position and law enforcement to do it the right way? Because if you don't do it the right way, then you're just punishing the person, the victim in that case, by jeopardizing them coming forward, taking that leap, that huge step to come forward to make a disclosure that they were a victim, and then you as the law enforcement officer who violated your oath by doing it improper. Jeopardize the case. You just jeopardize the case. That person can get released, and now that victim's really in trouble. Not, wouldn't happen with me, and you know, for any law enforcement officers that, that know me, and, and hundreds and hundreds do, they know that I, I did it the right way, and that's the only way to do it. And, and that's what I tell every law enforcement officer that I still teach and talk to. I says, if you do it the right way, your odds of success are much, much greater. The, 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 the belief like we used to see on TV, Beck, about a cop sitting across from a bad guy and yelling and screaming and, you know, threatening the person. That shit doesn't work. You think that that's really drama, drama, dramatized by uh, television? It, 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 it's never worked. Good cop, bad cop? Yeah. It, it, to, to, to me, I have to go by what I know has worked through my training, the education, the experience that I have, which is do it the right way, do it the proper way, and if you do so, your odds of success are much, much greater than if you do it the wrong way, like you may see on TV. TV, like you said, it just dramatizes what it is, but that's for television. I completely understand that. You know, working, uh, you know, people, when, when you tell people that you worked in law enforcement um, and it's, it's like an exciting thing, oh, really, tell me some stories, you know, tell, tell me stories. And I'd be like, you don't want to hear my stories. Very hard to listen to. You know, you, you, you don't want to hear the stories that, that I have to share with you about the things that, you know, I've encountered and I've seen with physical child abuse, you know, physical sexual child abuse, adult sexual abuse. Um, those are not things in social settings. When people talk about law enforcement, yeah, I could talk about exciting times that I had in other areas Trump of law bus, enforcement. Yeah. Car chase, whatever. But, you know, also, you don't know when you're bringing that up in, in social settings. There might be a predator. Not just a predator. What if, what if there's somebody that's been victimized also? And then making them hear that and, and have to hear that and, and feel that feeling again. Not, not good. How young have some of the youngest victims you've dealt with? Infant. Been? Infants. Assaulted by? Adults. Family members? Family members. Their own babies sometimes? Yes. Unfortunately. Like a father with its own girl baby? Yeah. You've had more, more, than, more than one occasion. More than one occasion, unfortunately. Um, and that's crazy. It, stuff, it's, right? it's, I mean. it, it's tough. You know, I'm not, I would not minimize any person who has been victimized, whether they knew the 
perpetrator or they didn't. It's, it, it, it's still the same. They still feel what they feel from having been victimized, which is so traumatic. Um, but, you know, we have to, as, as detectives doing this, we also have to remain objective with what we're doing, which is to stay focused. And like we had a conversation just before, uh, before we, we were taping about, you know, how do people deal with it when you want to sit across from a person that, that did this and you want to, you know, you want to strangle and people say, I could never fucking do that. I'd want to fucking strangle them and kill them. I, no, no. And one of the downsides for, for me with the years when I first got into the unit and I, and I was in the unit and I was handling a lot of cases back then. Uh, it wasn't the way it was when I was the supervisor in charge of the unit where we were able to spread the cases amongst detectives a little bit easier. I would be on call for seven days straight. And when I say on call, that means after work hours, I was the on-call detective, which means two or three times a night, my phone would go off and I would either be going to the hospital, you know, on a sexual assault allegation that was made or going to a police department where somebody would show up who was victimized. And, you know, we were dealing with hundreds and hundreds of cases. So one of the, one of the things that happened is, is you, you become a little numb to it. Kind of like how doctors, they see blood all the time. Yeah, you, 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 you become, it, do, it doesn't mean that I became less, less sympathetic or less understanding, but I couldn't take it personal because, number one, I would lose my objectivity with respect to what I was doing. But number two, believe it or not, you, the turnover of how many cases would come in. You didn't even have time to almost digest what it is that you're dealing with because you would move from one case to another to another. Now, these cases, were they reported by the victims usually or is this someone else usually saying, hey, I think this person was assaulted. Can you please come in and talk to them? That, that's, a, that's a very, very good question. A lot of cases would be reported by another individual, third parties. a third party individual who would make the report and we would have to seek out that alleged victim and see whether or not they were willing to come forward and talk about what it is that happened. And one of the things Beck is, is that when it comes to the rights of victims, I am all for it. And if what that means is, is that I will never force somebody to talk to me if they've been a victim of a sexual assault. If they've already been forced to do something against their will, against their consent, the last thing they need is, is somebody to sit across them and say, you have to tell the truth, you, you have to tell me what it is that happened. Everything is victim-oriented when we deal with, with, with sex crimes. And that means that the victim's rights are the number one priority. Their rights and protecting their rights as a victim. If they decide that they want to go forward, then we work with them. If they decide that they don't want to go forward, that is their right. We cannot force them to do so. And nor, nor would that be beneficial it's for a, them. It's a very delicate conversation, right? Because you're coming up to someone that maybe doesn't even know why you're coming to talk to them, right? So maybe someone was raped or molested. And now they're like, hi, I'm, I'm, I'm Officer Bomb or you know, whatever your title was at that moment. And... Uh, I mean, how would you make that intro? I mean, how would you start that conversation? 
you know, every every. And with it, which could you tell right just on that first, you know, from the first moment you said something, you could you tell right away that they were a victim? Did you start seeing a pattern? Me personally, you personally, yes. Get, elaborate, please. You know, because <laughs> because of the training that I have in in interview and interrogation and, and all the training classes that I've taken and, you know, being an instructor in it for so many years. One of the things that, you know, I developed, which is, which is a skill that could be, you know, it's, it's, it's detrimental in, in my personal life as well, is, is to know when somebody is telling the truth or somebody is withholding the truth. Um, and when you initially confront somebody and say, it's come to our attention, that you may have been victimized, you could you could see the demeanor with Def that person. Defensive. They could be defensive. They could be, you know, immediately traumatized just by bringing it up. Um, so it, it is very like would, very. Would some delicate. of them just start crying because they're like, Fine. yes, yeah. I, I I've had hundreds of victims crying. The minute you said well, you something similar, like you just said. They would just break down right there. They could absolutely. They would start to cry. And would they say, "Yes, this is happening to me"? Or you know, were they scared? I'll, I'll give you an what? example. I told you, you know, we we, we won't mention names or, no, or anything we like that, or, that or, or specific cases. Um, we had one case where a mother suspected her husband of sexually abusing their daughter. And how old was the daughter? Do you remember? She was. A teenager. The mother, the the mother in this case, went so far as to set up. I, I don't want to get into the to, you know to the specific specifics, but she did something to catch her husband. Audio, visual, whatever, something. Brought it to our attention when we met the victim. The victim was in complete denial. Why? It's her father. It's her father. She doesn't want to see her, her father get in trouble. Complete denial. Had to, we had to make a decision. Well, we're going to share something with you. And then shared what it is that the mother provided to us. The girl immediately started crying and ultimately told the truth. And, you know, one thing led to another in terms of this, the father had basically, that was not even, that was not even an interrogation that needed to be done because it, yeah, it, was, it was over. But, but just an example of, again, you know, this is they a... never this, had to go to trial, huh? It was, this did girl, he end up confessing? Yes. This, you know, it, it was just, it's just one, I mean, there's hundreds that stand out in my mind. Um, let's stay on that for one second. So let's say you are a teenage girl or boy. And you're being sexually abused by a very close family member. In their mind, sometimes, do they think that maybe this is how it is in every other? Like, do, how do they know what's normal and not normal? You know what I'm saying? Like, maybe they think that this is, you know, I mean, I'm trying to understand so that they can understand that it's not normal and that they can come forward and not be scared. Well, what, what, what advice do you have to a victim that's young, 13, 14, 17? The, the, the younger the younger the victim, the less understanding they may have of realities of the real world and of life. what of what is transpiring that's not with, normal. with them. The older 
the victim may be, they do understand. And the, the fear is, is that number one, they don't want to be the one that's responsible for getting a parent in trouble. It could, it could be an older brother, it could be an uncle. Feelings of guilt that maybe this is my fault, which is, which is very, very common and it's unfortunate, but that, that happens and no victim should ever feel guilty that it's their fault. But you can't, you, you, you can't change what's going on in their mind on how they feel about why something is happening. So you have to just treat these with, with, with the most delicate approaches possible. Because what we want ultimately back is, is what we want is we want the abuse to stop. Justice, man. Yeah, I mean, we want, we want the abuse to stop. We don't want to see anybody be victimized. And, and, and you got to remember also that it's not, it, it's not just a one-time thing. Could it be a one-time thing? Yes, it could be a one-time thing. A random rape on the street or... Yeah, you know, but, but intrafamilial, the abuse means that it's, it's probably an ongoing thing that's been going on. You know, and you think about the, the mental trauma to a child who grows up knowing that they were a victim of, of familial abuse. I mean, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. You know, I was not a victim. So I can't, I, I can't say what that, what that must have felt like and understanding why they would never come forward. You know, they, they, either they choose to do so or they choose not to do so. The majority of these crimes, Eric, are they, they're, they're, it sounds like they're not really reported ever by the victim most of the time, like especially familiar ones, right? It's usually someone catches on to what's going on. I mean, what, what? you know, there are, there are studies that are done with, with, with respect to statistics, okay? I can't give you a accurate statistic of how many cases are not reported because you wouldn't know. However, my personal opinion and now being retired, it's probably much, vast. Much greater. Vast cases that are never ever reported, which means that that perpetrator got away with it and that victim is living with the suffering that they had to live with as a result of what it is that happened and and it's hard it, it, it's hard I, I like I said I, how I can't high is imagine. the suicide rate for some of these people there it, that's a good question um I do I remember a couple cases that ever happened while you're actually working the case that they just said they didn't, they didn't. I I I had one where a suspect uh, killed himself more than once. Okay, once they uh, were caught and everything. Uh, yeah, I'll, 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 a, I'll tell you the story if you <laughs> actually. Yeah, um, I've had I've had cases where we we've had victims who would have breakdowns before having to go into a court. I mean breakdowns, just drop fear, trembling, terrified. Yeah. Of course. I mean, yeah. you know. Of, of knowing that they had to come into the courtroom 
and testify against a loved one, especially a loved one. You know, stranger sexual assaults or somebody that may be an acquaintance or something, I'm not saying that, that it's any easier for them to do it, but, but there's a different barrier that exists when you're dealing with a family member that, that committed sexual abuse. Um, so I, I know that one of the things that, that is offered, and, and, it's, and it's wonderful that it's offered, is, is like I said, everything is victim-oriented and approached, is therapy, you know? We have to offer victims therapy. Therapy is as is, soon as you guys find out, and they you're gonna go forward. When to, one, do you we, do therapy right away? When we gather the facts that we need from that victim, in that case, they supplied us the information that we need for us to move forward with that investigation. Then, the victim is then given the opportunity to meet with what we call our victim witness advocacy, therapists, whatever we could provide to help that victim deal with this. Because the other thing, Beck, is, is that, you know, people talk about, when, when I said we talked about how, you know, nobody wants to hear these stories, you know, about law enforcement. Some people do, I guess, um, but it's not something that, you know, I I'm comfortable in social settings sharing. Um, but people say, oh, so it's like, it's like the television show, Law and Order, uh, Special Victims Unit, SVU. And I would say, let me ask you a question. How long is SVU on television for? And I'll ask you, how long is the show on? What is it? It's been on for a while. Man. And if it starts at 8 o'clock, what time does it end? An hour later, usually. So case is over in one hour. Soup to nuts. Investigation. They find court evidence, all that done stuff. one hour in the state of New Jersey. Justice doesn't move that fast. It might be up to two years, two years before a case ever gets adjudicated in a courtroom. Another motive for you to get that confession. This is get the fuel confession. But here's my question, and I don't want to cut you off. Mm -hmm. But during those two years, usually where's the victim? Where's the perpetrator? Are they are they held in jail for the? I mean, you can't hold someone who's not committed of a crime yeah. yet. But I mean, so how does that work? Okay, so that that's a good question. So my contact with the victim once the investigation is complete is usually over. Um, now, I've had victims even up until the retirement from from fifteen years earlier that would stay in touch with me. You know, because I was I was somebody that was able to gain their trust so they felt comfortable continuing to, to trust me, to talk to me, and to share with me. And, you know, they would be in therapy for those couple years. Whatever it is that they needed would be provided for them to help them manage as this process was going on. In terms of the, uh, the suspects, if they were charged with a crime, if they made bail, then they were out. However, we would put into place, make sure that that victim, that that suspect would not be able to allow, have any contact with that victim during that entire time frame. Would they even try, though? Would they still try? Oh, yeah. And what would happen to them? Oh, we're going we're gonna to put additional charges on them. We're going to put additional would charges. Would they ever try to hurt these victims? Has it ever we, happened we've had, your we've, watch? Had, we've had suspects that, that have made threats, you know, threats against victims. Um, but fortunately for me, 
in, in my career, I've never I've never had to encounter a suspect that that took out uh, a went to the went to the extremes of reharming that victim, you know, because I would I would without hesitation do everything within my power to make sure that that person was back in jail and not able to and not getting out, not okay. getting out, and doesn't help their case, not getting out. Okay, so that's a good thing. I want anyone that's listening that's going through something like this. The, the services, most part, once you're in and you realize that you're taking back your life, the power that you've lost, you may not have even realized that you've lost that power. But of course, you feel alone. No one knows what you're thinking, what you're feeling, what you're going through. Once you come forward, you will have the support. 100%. You will have things that are in place. You'll have maybe the local cops patrolling. All that stuff's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. We, we were going to provide... Restraining order. They violated their deep, we, deep shit. We will provide everything within our power to keep that victim safe, to keep that victim mentally sound, knowing that what they disclosed was hard to do, and to see to see to it that there's a successful prosecution. I mean, that's our ultimate goal, is, is we want a successful prosecution. We don't want that individual to be able to ever victimize another person again. So there are, there are many, many outlets for victims, even victims that don't wish to report back. All they have to do is go to the website and see help for sexual assault victims. And there's organizations that are out there. Rain.org. Rain. New Jersey Casa is one of them. Um, even in Bergen County, we have something. It, it's called the Healing Space, uh, which, is, which is with uh, confidential sexual violence advocates that are out there. They're there for you. They're there for you to, to talk to, to share what it is that you're, you're going through, and to be there for you. Not just, not just me as a law enforcement officer. A multitude of people are there. Specialists. Absolutely. Is it often uh, when there is sexual abuse going on in a family that one child's not, like let's say there's three kids, does it happen a lot of times that's all the kids eventually? That's a, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Because I could tell you, you know, you, you, when, when we're talking about it, you know, obviously I'm, I'm reflecting back. You have a lot to, of to the cases that I personally was involved with. Um, again, and, and just, just to give you a little bit background before I'll answer that question. Um, after I did my, my number of years as, as, a, as a frontline detective investigating these crimes, the sex crimes and the physical child abuse cases, and you know I got promoted a couple times throughout my career, I, I ultimately ended my career doing uh, another number of years as the lieutenant in charge of the special victims unit, which we used to be called the sex crimes and child abuse unit. And I was not as, as all the detectives that worked with me, they knew I was not a hands-off lieutenant. I was hands-on lieutenant. I was involved. Why? Because I had the experience and I knew, and I was, and I was involved in as many of the investigations because it's ultimately my responsibility as to how the case moves forward too um you're thinking 10 steps ahead 
Yeah. I'm making sure this thing finishes a- the right way. Absolutely. 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 Um, so the last five years of my career, Beck, I could tell you that I didn't have much of a life. You know, I, I can't remember one night going a full night without my phone going off, without an allegation coming forward of, of something of a sexual assault or a physical child abuse. Um, so I was there and I, and I know it. When you brought up the fact about multiple victims, one of the things, one thing that stood out was one case where a young girl was being sexually abused by her father. The girl had a younger sister. The girl, the older girl, felt her younger sister was going to be the next to be victimized. That's what made her give her the strength, come forward, gave, gave her the, the courage to come forward. And I could not have been more proud of of meeting that young girl and asking her, "Why are you coming forward now?" And when she told me that, you know, it sunk in because she said, "What happened to me happened to me." I could not let that happen to my younger sister. You know, more power to her. Hero, man. For doing that. Yeah, That's absolutely. A hero. Absolutely a hero. How so, did that case, I mean, did it have to go to trial or did that one end? No, I think I. I confession? I, yep. Yeah, that ended. How much time do people do for these types of crimes, man? Oh, you could do. Well, there's two things, there's, there's two outcomes that happen. Um, if you plead guilty, if, you're, if you plead guilty, then you're going to go to prison, depending on the, the severity of the sexual assault. How long you can go is, could be up to you know, 20 years. In New Jersey, a first-degree crime means 20 years. Um, it could be multiple counts of first-degree crimes, so you could, do, you could look at somebody that's in prison for a long time. If somebody goes to court, if they challenge, if they challenge the arrest, and they're found guilty, they're going to state prison. If they plead guilty, and they are evaluated and deemed to be repetitive and compulsive in that sexually deviant behavior, then there's a prison in the state of New Jersey, it's called the Adult Diagnostic and Treatment Center. Basically, it's the prison for sex offenders. And that's where they'll go. So they're not, they're not going to be incarcerated in like Trenton State or Rahway or, you know. And usually it does not end well for these types of people in state prison. What's that? Usually it doesn't end well. No. There's people in these prisons that are doing life. They find out someone assaulted their own child, raped a young girl, a kid. We've all heard the rumors and the stories. They, they don't last long. No, it's, 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 you know. So the advice would be to any of you who might be listening who are guilty of a crime like this. You better stop. Maybe run away. Maybe never do it again. But if you are, you're better off maybe coming and confessing what you've done and getting the help that you need because it will not end well for you. And I'm sure some of you out there that are listening might be guilty of these things. So there's a price for everything in life. You know, Beck, that's a, that's a, that, that's a, that's a good point. 
Um, and me having sat across from hundreds, and I'm, I'm, I mean hundreds, of adult and child sex offenders, you could never truly, in, in our positions, understand what's going on in their mind. Nor should, nor could you try to figure it out, because it makes no. There's no logic. Yeah, it, it. You know, so people say. You know, people would say. You know, how can you? How can you sit across from somebody? How can you treat them so respectfully? How can you? And I. And I. You know, without understanding what my ultimate goal was, is that number one, I'm going to do it right. Number two, I'm. I'm. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get anywhere by yelling and screaming and threatening the person and telling them they're a piece of shit, you're a fucking piece of shit child. That, that, that doesn't work, you know? Um, so there, there is no true, there, there's no true for, for the everyday person to understand what's going on. Now, if, the, if, if somebody did do it and somebody did go and get help and therapy to help them overcome that desire to want to engage in that activity, okay, okay. It it doesn't take away from what they already did. You understand? It, what and happened? If God happened. forbid you're having those thoughts now, and you haven't done something, you need to go get therapy like right now, right? It's it's it's. Now a lot it's, of these it's, people, it's, 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 a, it's a tough, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. A lot of them that have done these crimes were they in your knowledge the cases you've worked were they also victims themselves a lot of them it's a good point a lot of people may have been victimized and i i don't want to i i don't want to give that person the so-called out to say that's why they did what they did but yes we, we it does we, give a little bit of understanding yeah we we found we found that, that is it a consistency that that people that sexually abuse uh, within the family, maybe outside the family as well, may have been victims of sexual abuse themselves, and it also holds true for child abuse too. Um, physically if, harming, physically harming a child because uh, if a child was brought up under the strictest of, of discipline in a in a household. Corporate punishment. Was it corporal? What corporal it punishment. That and and that's and that's all they know. Then that they, might be exactly how they're going to be a parent. I mean, I. <laughs> they think that's the right way. Let me like beat I've them sat, like Joe Jackson style, right? I, I've <laughs> sat. I've sat across. I've sat across from fathers, mothers, who physically abused, physically abused their child, and I'd be like. You can't do that, and they'd be like, "Well, you can't fucking tell me how to discipline how my to raise child. my kid. How did you know how to discipline my child?" I'm, I'm saying, "No, no, no. You don't seem to understand. In the state of New Jersey, you cannot physically abuse your child. Corporal punishment does not exist." So let's clarify this because this is important. What if you just slap your kid? A slap, nothing crazy. Like they great, great. back mount, you just give them one slap. Great, great. Maybe on the butt, not even good, on the face. Good question. And, I'm, and, and where's I, and I'm not trying to teach people how to hit their kids, mm -hmm. but where are these law lines drawn, and where's the? So that that's a great that's a great thing, and that that'll give that gives me an opportunity to to, to share with you uh, two things. 
Number one, one of the first, one of the first physical abuse cases I had, uh, a young child from, I, I could say the town, it was in Englewood, uh, had welt marks on his body. Like belt marks kind of? Welt. Welt. So what, did, what were you hit with? He said, a switch. So I said, a switch? You know, I didn't, I'm like, a light switch? Uh, what? Like a stick from a, a branch. I never knew what that was. Oof. So one of a the first of things. East, a lot of yeah. Eastern Europeans know what that is. One of the first things that I learned was, was about a switch. So you talk about, you, you talk about a, a parent and, and discipline. But when you say, well, child, like how many Walt Marks? How many, was it like one hit? I mean. No, like, it was a few. There was a few. On, on what, the like legs. Maybe a teacher reported it or what? Yep. I mean, like, that's how it happens? Yep. Yep. It was, it was reported. The child went to school. The, the marks were visible. Teacher reported it, which they, they are supposed to do by law. If you, suspect, if you suspect child or sexual abuse, and I'll put that out there. I'll put that out there for every one of your listeners right now. If you know somebody who is a child who is being physically or sexually abused and you do not report it to what it used to be called DIFUS. It's called the Division of Child Protection and Permanency. It used to be called DIFUS. You're in violation of the law. You have an obligation to report that abuse. You can remain anonymous, but you need to do it. So for those of you that, that you know, are hearing that, and even if you suspect that somebody you know is being abused, pick up the phone, call Child Protective Services, wherever you may live. I know this is nationwide, so I'm going to use and that. It's very term. similar in states, right? Yep. Very similar. Call, report it, let it be investigated, and if there's nothing to it, then great. There's nothing more that, that I want is for any allegation to be unfounded. That means that abuse didn't happen. So going back to what you said about, you know, slapping and so on and so forth. <laughs> I said there was some there was some comical stories here and there. One of one one encounter that I had was as I was called up to a school with a young child who had a full-fledged handprint face. Handprint across his face. I mean, you could see. You could five see fingers. five fingers across the face. Child goes into the school minimizing you know the all of it what happened my dad hit me my dad hit me this morning Do you remember how old what grade at least was it third oh. fourth grade yeah he was he was young he couldn't have been couldn't have been more than 10 years old couldn't have been more than 10 so i i, I meet the child i says what happened you know child tells me my dad hit me this morning your dad hit you. Why did your dad hit you? Because he, because he hates me. And the kid's crying. He's crying. Because he hates me. He hates me. And he, and he hit me this morning. And I could see on his face a slap across his face. And I'm like, it's pretty, you know, it's a pretty bad. It wasn't like a light slap. Like, no, it no, was no. Like, it was not a light slap. It hurt him. So, okay. No reason given why the father hit the child. I go. I seek out the father. The father voluntarily comes in. To be interviewed by me sir you know why you're here your son showed up in school he has a very very clear visible mark on his face he says that you hit him 
Now, this is, of course, you know, Beck, we've gone through the person's constitutional rights where they agreed to, to talk to me. Yeah, they were Mirandized and so on and so forth. And without, without missing a beat, he says, yeah, I hit, my, I hit my son. I'm like, okay, well, this is pretty easy, you know. I, I said, well, your son said you hit him. For no reason, he says that this is, you know, you, you know, and I asked the child also, has this, has this happened before? And, and he said, no. He said, no. So this was the first time that the child is saying that the father did something like this. So I says, your son says that you hate him and you hit him for no reason. He's, and, and the father was a businessman, Beck. He said, oh, is that, that's what my son said? He goes, okay. He goes, would you, would you like to hear what happened? I says, yeah, of course I'd like to hear what happened. He goes, well, we were at the breakfast table, and my wife, my son's mother, had told my son to do something. And I guess what my son failed to tell you was is that what he said to his mother was, fuck off. I said, so I'm listening. I'm like, okay. And he goes, so when my son said to my wife, his mother, to fuck off, I slapped him across the face. Now... I'm sure it's happened a couple million times on this so, earth. So he, here's, here's where the discretion that we sometimes don't have has to be thought about. I went back to the boy. I said, your father told me what happened. He admitted that he hit you, but he told me that something else happened before he hit you that you didn't tell me about. Could you tell me what happened with you and what you said to your mom? Kids started crying and said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I told my mother to, to go fuck herself or fuck off. I forget what it was, to fuck off or fuck herself. Like, this is a young boy. Yeah. And dad hit me. So ultimately, I made a decision. I, I called my supervisor and I said, I, 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 go, I can't charge this guy. You want, I, you're looking for repetitive abuse. He maybe went over the limit a little bit that day. I told day. the father, go, next time you want to discipline your son, maybe you don't want to do it where you can leave a mark. Or you do it again, you're going to jail. Yeah, and I turned it, I turned it over to, you know, Child Protective Services. And you know I said, happened, you, you want to do it? Nothing happened. He got, they, 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 they worked with him. And, but how can I, you know, how can I in good conscience also, a father like that, then take the, take the second. I go to a school, young child has multiple burn marks on his hand that's a little different man multiple burn marks i could see that they were from cigarette child says my dad burned me with a cigarette burned me on the hand young boy again maybe 10 years old i find the father agrees to talk to me sir could you tell me what happened yeah i'll tell you what happened my son liked to play with matches so I had to teach him a lesson and show him what it's like to be burnt. So I burnt him. You're going to jail. Fucking stupid, bro. Now, I'd have, I'd have finished the cigar on his head if it was me, but that's why I'm not, I can't do what you do, man. It takes a special type of person. But I we mean, need, but we you need people like you. You could, you could see that the discrepancy. There's so much, man. I, I want to kind of circle. So Come on, sir. it's all good. And then we're going to get into what everyone in this world's talking about. And you can, and you know, but at least you have an understanding. Something of tells me you're going to be, you're going to be back on the show, my man. You have an understanding at least of what, of what myself and uh, the detectives that I've worked with, so you we know, kinda, we're dealing with on a yeah. daily basis. We covered kind of the sexual crime aspect of it and then the physical. 
in your experience, a lot of times when there's sexual crime, the physical abuse is right with it. Or, 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 or is it a fear? T I mean, is that, I'm not, I'm not putting the words in your mouth. Is that common? I, I, when they're being sexually abused, it, is it, there a lot of physical abuse with it too? In my experiences, is I, I haven't really seen the physical abuse aspect correlating with, and, and in addition to the sexual abuse. It would, it would, it would usually be the sexual abuse and, and that would be it. Um, you know, the physical abuse cases were, 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 were completely different in terms of, you know, why somebody physically abuses a child, you know, for whatever their reasons that, you know, some of them that we discussed, um, the sexual abuse, I, I, I can't recall that children would be disclosing that they were also being physically abused. I, I'm sure it's happened. Um, but it's not always hand in hand. But it's not always hand in hand. No, okay. the, the the sexual abuse is what it is, and and you know the parents, of course, if it's intrafamilial and and or or not, you know it it also involves threats. If you say if you say what if you tell anybody what happened, daddy's going to go to jail. You know, the family's going to be broken up. Mommy and you are going to be out on the streets. I mean. Things like that. So you talk about mentally torturing a, a child, and and that child not wanting to disclose. I mean that that that's that's one of the a, a primary concern right there. Repeat offenders. Have there been cases you've worked on where the person you know was found guilty in the past? Maybe they even went to jail for however long they went, and they ended up back in that room with yes. you. How often does that happen? It, it, it happens. It, it happens. Um, often? I, I don't want to say that it's happened that often, and I'll, explain, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. I mean, again, I'm, I'm only relaying is, is in my experiences is, is because. In your opinion? It, in my opinion, yes. And, and I think that one of the things is, is that, remember, if somebody goes to prison um, and they go three to five years, five to ten years, when they get out, the person that they were victimized is not there for them to re-victimize. Get it? So they, that victim has now grown to the point where... They can defend themselves or whatever. They know what to do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but it doesn't mean that that person won't seek out other victims. You know, uh, we have... Do you think they can really be rehabilitated? It's a hard question. It's maybe not a fair question. And I know that people that listen to this will draw their own conclusions from it. But the reason I ask is because I'm scared to even go on my computer and look who's living next to me. And you know where I'm going with this. Why do we have that registry? Megan's law. I understand the law, Megan's law, and what happened there. But if we felt that they could be rehabilitated, most of them, we wouldn't need that registry, would we? That's a, that's a, that's a great point. We, we wouldn't. Um, do you recommend a parent looks in that registry? Oh yes, I mean, I, I would, I, I, I absolutely. If you if you go to the state of New Jersey, Megan's Law, um, you could you could find out who's living within close proximity to you, who is a registered sex offender. Um, absolutely, Barrick, I, 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 okay, now I find out my next door neighbor raped kids, and I'm living right next door. I mean, what the what the f 
am I supposed to do at this point? I mean, what? Okay, I know now. I, what do I do? How do I protect my kids? How, what advice do you have? Because this is, this is like really difficult stuff to deal with. And it's why this is like, um, and out of all my episodes, man, this is the most important one I've had, period. My advice is knowledge is the most powerful thing we can have. Jimmy, I don't want to see you go near that house. If I see you go near that house, you're punished. You're grounded. If they ever try to talk to you, I want to know right away. Absolutely. Okay. That, that's it. That I makes mean, sense. Remember something, Beck. What we vigilance. What we, vigilance and what we don't want is vigilantes. Because Does that happen a lot? It doesn't happen a lot, but it happens. And, and I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to tell you something. That, um, that's a that's a great point that you just brought up. If I've had, uh, if I have a person who was victimized, let's say a teenager or a young girl, by an acquaintance or a neighbor or a known individual or even a stranger and I sit with that father of that child and that father is beside himself wanting to go out and kill that person. I think it's a very common emotion. Very, very common emotion. I've had those thoughts myself. If God forbid that ever happened. I mean, I'm, I'm being honest and, with myself. And people, people... And in my culture, they'll do it. People may, it. people may not like what I'm going to say here. But I don't care because I have to say it. And this is, this, is, this is the strength that comes with having to do and make the tough decisions that we do. And that is this. If you go out and you do anything to this individual that will jeopardize this investigation that we are doing here, I will just as quickly arrest you. Because, and they'll be like, what? What, what, what are you fucking talking about? You're gonna, if you jeopardize my investigation by going out and trying to inflict harm against the individual that's accused of this, I will just as quickly arrest you. Not because I want to, but because I have to. And secondly, I go, then what you just did is you just destroyed the strength of your daughter of coming forward and doing the right thing by coming forward and disclosing what it is that happened to them. And then you as the parent, the loved one, are now going to go to jail and then... They lose you? Is that what you want? How often does it happen, Eric? A lot. Let me ask you another question. It's happened a lot. I've had many parents. I mean, all the detectives that I work with, you know, we. But don't know. you think there's a moment of literally insanity? If you find out your five year old kid got raped by your next door neighbor. Yes. I mean, it, it, you know, we have to say. We, what we, happens if they say, I don't, give, I don't give a f because I think that person should be dead? And I don't give a what court says and whatever then, then, then what do you say back to them i mean then, have they ever said that to you i don't give a what you guys say? yeah then would you guys put security watch the yeah you you you've watched the perpetrator no 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 no. i mean we you know we like like they, let's they say like if know. you could could you tell like let's say the parent you could say this guy i think he might kill the rapist or whatever the molester 
would you guys then try to say, listen, we might have to keep this guy? Like, you, you would you send patrols to maybe? Yeah, would you warn them your life might be in danger. Sure, they they would know. They they would know because they that means that they probably know that that person had had family. You know, it may not be just a father, maybe a brother, it may be an uncle, somebody that wants to exact revenge. You see, the way I look at it, do they try to escape? A lot of times, he's accused. We've had we've had people that I'll I'll, I'll tell you that other story about what happened with the case that was going. Do you guys take their passports at this? Yes. So if you're uh, accused of a sexual crime, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna if you if we're gonna take your passport, uh, you know, when the bail is set. We're going to ensure that you know you show up. The bail, the bail is is a, is a, is a surety that you that you'll come to court. That's all that is. Um, and we're going to take your passport to to make sure, and you know you're not allowed to leave the state. We're going to you know the judge is going to put you know certain restrictions on you. Um, but but going back to those you know the the family member or the loved one that wants to you know exact revenge. At least I know that I've done my part to try to deter the person from doing it, does that mean that they're going to maybe still do it? I guess so. But at least I know that I've done my part. You warned them. You told them. Don't do it because you... because You might end up in jail for 20 years. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt your family. Now your kid lost their parent too on top of it. They need exactly. You. Let the justice system take its course. You may not believe in the justice system completely, but but let it take its course. Let us do what we need to and do. May this never happen to any of you that are listening to me. Never. And if it just happened, but God forbid it ever does, please remember what he's saying here. Because in that moment of rage, and I'm going to speak because I'm not former. I wouldn't blame you. I wouldn't at all. But. If you take a moment to stop and think, your kid's going to need you, man. That's, that's what, you, what you've been through, your kid's going to need you. Beck, that's the key. And the last thing to let that person that did this crime do is destroy the rest of what's left. Is that a good way of saying it? That, that's, a, that's a wonderful way of saying it. And, and, and you know, for, for, for those parents and, and older siblings and the ones that... that who had a loved one that was victimized, of course I understand. Of course I understand. But I cannot, because of the position that I'm in, say, hey, listen, here's the deal. When the guy gets made, when the guy gets out and he makes bail or if he does, I'll let you know you can go take care of business. Like, I can't do that. You know, my job is, is to see this case through from start to finish with a successful prosecution and conviction. Have you been the first time, like you, you've been the one to tell the parent, this is what's been happening to your kids? Yes, yeah. What's that been like, man? Give me, give me, give us some- Shock, details. outrage. They start crying, going crazy. Shock and outrage. If, if their child was victimized by somebody, um, like an acquaintance, I've, ha- I've had cases with involved uncles, you know, babysitters i mean you know just just things like that where where when you know there's there's different mechanisms in which the information about somebody being victimized comes out it all starts with who is the victim telling happened sometimes they tell a friend right sometimes they tell a teacher sometimes they tell you know, another family member. So 
the parent may not be the first one that's being told about it. So we would have to notify the parent that, listen, your, your daughter or your son is saying that they were being victimized. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you would even get denial, which is very, very common. Like, I, I don't believe it. I, I don't believe it. Okay. Can't change how you feel. We're telling you what's going on. So, and, and, you know, back, the other thing is, is therapy doesn't have to just be for the victim. No, of course not. Of course not. For people that, for, for family members, you know, sometimes family members deal with a lot of guilt also. Feel I, I wasn't a good parent. I let this happen. I wasn't a good brother. And, and, I should have spoke about, of course, of and course. That's, and that's, and, and that's sad. They're all victims. Unfortunate. They're all They're victims. They're all victims. And, and, and that's, that's why it's why such a horrible crime. It is. And, and, and that's why it's so important to, you know, to keep, to keep together as a family, not jeopardize what just happened, this traumatic event that just came out into the open, keep is now is when the family needs to be strong together, not going off on different tangents. Uh, nothing will be accomplished that way. Nothing. Let's say you don't know, and maybe your kid's not telling you. Are, are there any warning signs? There are, is there anything you can give the people that are watching and listening? Well, my kid's young, maybe five years old, doesn't know anything about life. I mean, what can I look for? God forbid, okay, for sexual, because physical is easy to see. That that's sexual abuse. That that's a very very good question. And you know, when when I was teaching uh, sex crimes and child abuse, and some of the lectures that I've done with. Uh, recognizing signs of sexual abuse there, there is a host of, of of different behaviors that may be exhibited by a child that's being sexually abused and and the key word right there beck is is behavior changes in behavior serious changes could be very noticeable yeah? dramatic could be dramatic, could be noticeable. Not as talkative, not as active, maybe, or whatever it is. They're very different from how they were. Exactly. Shut, you know, shutting down. The child may be open. All of a sudden, is no longer being open. Um, changes in, in behavior. Um, you know, we, we've had, we, we, have, we had cases that would come in where, where a child was seen. And, and you know, I don't want to get too gross here in terms of the language that I use, because I'm very, very professional with the language that I use, so I, I would never use oh, you course, know, anything improper or, or inappropriate. But you know, if, if you see a, uh, a child that is you know, maybe touching themselves in, in an inappropriate way, you know, when I say inappropriate, I mean if they're touching their private parts, you know, rubbing their private parts or something, and you know, and as a parent, you say, you know, why are you touching yourself? You know, not out of curiosity, because sometimes kids do that. I mean, right? They that's absolutely right. Okay, that, so don't get scared of that. Right. Just, just because touching. Their so I'm saying this is you. You as the parent have to, and that's what I was going to follow up. But you as the parent have to be the one to 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 not be accusatory, so that you make the child freeze up. But say, you know, but but say, is is everything all right? You know, what what's going on? You know, you, you itch like. 
you know, these these are these are things that, like I said, they're changes in behavior that that may stand out, and and it may not always be seen by the parent. You know, schools have have an ultimate responsibility that the teachers in schools, because they're the ones that notice changes in behavior very very frequently. No offense to the schools. But a lot of this stuff is happening on their watch. They're doing some of this shit. These teachers are sleeping with kids. We'll get into that in a moment. Here's what I want to follow that up with. Uh, is it a good idea? And what age do you suggest? And again, this can be your opinion or whatever. For me, for example, I have three kids to say, listen, no one should ever touch you here. Great, great point. No one should touch you here ever, so, ever. If anyone ever touches you there. How do you recommend we so, word so that? He, so how do you recommend we teach our kids? He, here's here's what here's one of the things that I do. Or was a way of, to be proactive. So God forbid it does happen. One of the things. Oh, that that's, that's it great, stops right away because we we all I think you can agree probably the more it goes on the the chance of recovering that mind the trauma. Very very great question and 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 here's what I, here's what I say. When a child starts to become what we call verbal okay meaning they're able to start to communicate effectively effectively four-ish five-ish four-ish five-ish i got a i got a four-year-old right now i mean he can he he's what, sharp what what i what one of the things that that i feel and this is again i'm not you know i'm the cop so to speak you know i'm not the 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 specialist uh in terms of of dealing with the you know the children um after the fact or before the fact um i deal with them after the report of the reported abuse has happened um so one of the things that one of the things that that i say is when a victim is brought in front of me who is a child victim we go through, every detective is trained, specially trained to talk to children, specially trained to talk to children who may have been sexually abused. And one of the first things I would do is, is I would say, let's go over the different parts of your body to see if the child can recognize the different parts of the body. And I would start, you know, what's this? I'm pointing to eye, nose, mouth. Right, and I would get, and I would have to get to the points to the parts of the body that where they could be victimized you know mouth if it's if it involves oral and then i would point to the front and i would point to the back i say what's the front and they would you know most times you know i've heard different you know different things, my wiggly you know most times my privates my private parts my okay. no no place my yeah. whatever my butt so one of the things one of the things that that could be recommended is a child needs to be made aware that their private parts is where they go pee pee from, right? Where they go duty from. You know, we're talking like children Kaki. here. Yeah, it's important that we do this because yeah, they pee, need to know. You know, those are the those are the the what we call the intimate private parts, and that's when in some types of conversations with a child. It, it's, it could be said, nobody is allowed to touch you on your private parts, especially a stranger or somebody you don't know. 
And if somebody does touch you on your private parts, you have to come and tell mommy or daddy. You know, you don't want to complicate this for a child. So if you think about that in terms of private parts, right, makes sense. If somebody touches you and hurts you on your private parts, you got you to gotta say it. Now, if you're bringing your child to a pediatrician or a doctor who's going to touch their, maybe touch their private parts, you know, it has to be explained. Listen, doctor may touch you on your private parts. It's okay. You know, and, and understanding like, like parents, the same thing, you know, again, now you have a catch 22. If it's a parent is going to physically abuse a child and a parent tells the child, it's okay for, for daddy or mommy or, you know, so-and-so brother to touch you on your private parts, you're in a catch 22, but it's more also to hurt your private parts. So I'll give you, a, I'll give you a good example back. And, you know, as a parent, you can, you can relate to this as a parent. I had a I, I had a case with a young child that 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 came in that said um daddy touched me on my private parts and hurt me on my private part. So immediately female male. It was a the, a female alleging the male father. Young female. She could she maybe four or five years old. Now a child at that age cannot really get into the specific details about what was going on when this touched him. They have no idea what's going yeah. on. So immediately... They know that something most happened people, to them traumatic. Like. Most people go immediately, holy shit, fucking father, you know, this fucking child molester, he's a pedophile, blah, 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 and, and go right off the reservation because of that allegation, just the way it came out. Child says, daddy hurt me on my private part. Okay. Father comes in, we talk. Now, this father, again, this is a, this is a person that's never been in trouble before. Good, good parent, young child, goes to the bathroom, somewhat defecates on themselves and dirties themselves you know you could say soils themselves did it yeah so what does dad do as a good parent when mom is not around even if she was or she wasn't around what is that parent supposed to do let that child sit there soiled or do something what's what would you do as a as a as a, as a father with I'll your four-year-old i've had to do it i clean you my kid i clean my kid okay so you know what this father did? And I hated it. <laughs> you know what this father did? He cleaned his daughter. He cleaned her. He never sexually abused her. But the, she did the right thing by saying, because when he wiped her with the wipe, she never said anything about a wipe. Turns out, she did ultimately say, oh yeah, I forgot that. Daddy wiped me hard with the wipe. And they can sting sometimes, depending on which one you bought. So, me, you know, I that, tell you. this is an individual that could have just as easily, if, 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 it was, if it's mishandled, could have just as easily been accused of, of child sexual assault. And thankfully, it wasn't. I got my own story I'm going to share. I was debating this whole time whether I should or not, but I'm going I'm to share my own story. Please. When I was younger, my parents worked. We had a, a lady across the street. She was one of the, she was from Oregon. She was a much older woman. And she was, 
you know, sweet old lady, literally sweet old lady. And I think in, in this case, it was more of the way maybe she was brought up in the old school. You know what I mean? I unfortunately had a bad habit of wetting the bed. She would watch me and my brother. Very and, common. Yeah, me and my brother would be there for a few hours. Make the story short, she was a little excessive, man, with, with punishing. You know what I mean? She literally had a fucking paddle. When I tell you a paddle, so I remember I went, she, and I used to hate having to take a nap. She makes me take a nap. She put on the fucking opera music. I wake up with her yelling. I'd wet the bed. She flips me over, pulls my pants. I mean, she did it in record fucking lightning speed, this woman. And she went to town on my ass. And when I tell you with a paddle, I mean, she with everything she had. There was no sexual, none of that stuff. But I mean, she was, you know, I guess the way she was brought up. I mean, she went to town. <clears throat> I cried. She gave me a shower. And I'll never forget the words. You know, don't tell mommy nothing. Because I think she realized she must have got pissed I peed her whole bed. In some ways, I understand it. I get it. But I mean, she really went to town on me, man, with that paddle. And I'm certain you didn't learn any lessons from that. No. So that night I get home. I remember I was young, man. I was a smart kid, man. I went to use the bathroom. I'm sore. I'm like, this man. In my mind, I didn't call her that, but I know I was angry. I called. I was, mommy. When my mom came, I said, mommy, look. And I showed her my ass. It was all, I don't know. If, I, kid, I don't know if it was black or blue, but she could see that I was hit. Let's just say the next day she wasn't babysitting me. You know? Yeah. So I also had my brother there. I, all I remember was maybe twice we got hit. But it was, in my opinion, very excessive. And I'm glad that I spoke out. Because God knows how much more could have been going on or maybe it would have progressed. Or who the fuck? And, I mean, and that it could have happened to your brother too. He did. I, actually, no, I don't remember him getting But I knew that I had to say something. And I was, we're talking four years old, four or five years old. And this is why it's important for people to understand. I know that you're going through a hard time if this happened to you. Young, old. You're scared. You're nervous. The good that will come from this is better no matter what, you've been hurt, you've been wounded, you're, 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 you're scared, you're nervous, you're shy, you're embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed of. Nothing. No matter how horrible what happened to you is, and it is, it's not your fault, it's not embarrassing, and you can come back from this, and you will come back from this. Without a doubt. And you've seen those recoveries. You've seen those people come back to you 10 years later, 15 years later, and say, Thank you so much for helping me. My life has been productive since. As dark as it seems where you are right now, if you're listening to me, this is happening to you. Who should they contact? They, the, first, the first thing that I would consider doing, Beck, is, is trusting somebody close to them. Trusting somebody close to them that they can open up and share with. And maybe someone that can give them some shelter if they need it, right? Shelter. Shelter, if, if, they're, if they're still currently being abused or the, the abuse is past abuse and they're still living with it and it's still affecting them emotionally, then talk to somebody. Talk to somebody that you trust. There are outlets out there. You're not alone. You're, you're, you're this happens to a lot so of people. So not alone. There's so many people. You might even know the people it's happening to and not know that it happened to them. It's... Right, so there's a lot of them, a lot of people in your situation. If you're listening out there, like you're saying, you won't even. You might, might, you might, your best friend might have happened to them, and they got through it, and they went to. And you don't even know. It's not something you go around broadcasting. Of course not. But you're not alone, and that's the most important. I think. I think they need to understand. You're not alone. The 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 
the problem the problem that will probably exist long after we're gone with this subject is the stigma that this has anything to do with sex. It doesn't. This is abuse. This is abuse of, of the worst kind that leaves scars. It, it, without a doubt, it leaves scars. Look, that mine wasn't even that crazy, huh? And I still remember it to this day, because that, especially at a young age, I feel like you remember more about that part of your life. Because at that moment, it was a traumatic event that happened to you. Never that, forgot that, it. That, 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 that happened. And, you know, for, for anybody, for, for, for... My parents didn't hit me. Any you get person. my point? So who the f is this lady hitting me? You get my point? And, and I don't want to just, and I don't want to just uh, uh, make this sound like it's only female victims. There are male victims, no, too. No, I, I mean, there, there, there yes. are male victims also. And that, this goes for, for any male that has been sexually abused or, or physically. Sometimes I feel like it might be harder for the men to come forward because they feel it's, like, man, they're embarrassed maybe. They're, they're, there's, there's a range of feelings that, that happen from, like, like we talked about, embarrassment, guilt, um, fear of, 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 of coming out and talking about this. Um, that's understandable. It's completely understandable, and unless any of us have lived with what they have lived through, we can't sit here and say, oh, I get it. I would have said something. You don't know what you would have yeah, done. You, you, no, no, I don't, I don't get it. You would never know. You would, I, unless I you've sympathize. Been in the I, I sympathize. I, I understand how traumatic that, that these events are that you've had to go through in your life and to, to come forward and to talk about it. The strength that, that's required to do that is... Is incredible for, for those that come forward and do that and and you know I give I give every person you know all the power in the world to be able to to, to come forward and, and to speak about it and to, to know that it's not easy it, it, it's not easy to do it and and you but you have people that will do everything they can within their power to help you move on from this because that's what everything is about Becca is everything is about how do how do we help this person move on from this you know save a life man yeah how do you save their life you know how do you move make on them from productive this? again make them some some people get some people do not some victims back get no satisfaction in seeing somebody get punished or going to prison or 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 you know suffering consequences like that they they still feel guilty but again it'll happen to someone it, else and i'm saying this is that if you're being victimized, you gotta come forward. And there is a possibility that that person is doing it to somebody else. And did it to people before you. You know, so it, you, it's You gotta it's be hard, the but, one that's gotta be but, brave but and the, stop it. But the support is out there. There are people there that, that care, that, that devote their lives to helping these people. Do you have a way, if my viewers need to get in touch with you, just for if someone is being victimized, that they could reach out? Yeah. So we'll put up the email. I'll give it to you. I'll give him, yep. I'll give you an email. I'm gonna put it in this video. If you guys need advice, totally confidential, reach out to Eric wherever you are in the world. And he will do the best to help you. I, I will I will never steer somebody wrong. I will never try to persuade somebody, force somebody, or compel somebody to do something that they do not want to do. Um, but even to just 
to talk to somebody about it. You know, I, I learned early on in my career that when you deal with, with, with females, that after they've just been sexually assaulted by a male, um, whether it's a, whether it's an acquaintance a, a, or a stranger, if, if God, you know, if it was a stranger sexual assault uh, that happened, um, that they need to know that, believe it or not, they are not every man is an animal, like the person that did what they did to that person. You know, when I use the word animal, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a harsh word, but but I'm I'm just categorizing it. You know, but but somebody that somebody that that does that 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 takes that away from a, a person by by doing that. There are good people out there that you could talk to, that you communicate with, to have a dialogue with, even if it's just to 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 get it off your shoulders, and to say, you know what. I was abused and I'm thinking, I, I've had, Beck, I've had victims who would, would say, can you please give me some time to think about it? Can we talk about this as time goes on? And, you know, says, yes, you take all the time in the world you need, whatever it takes. And I've had victims that, that would call me a week later, a month later, three months later and say, I'm still uncertain. I still don't, I understand. I understand. I'm I'm here for you, you know, and I, and I and and I would and I would supply other resources for that person because they're like I said, there's outlets, there's resources for everybody. There's groups that have been through this and they help other people come out of it. I was there. This happened to me. Those people to me are above heroes. Forget that they stopped it maybe within their own circumstances, but the fact that they use their own pain, they've now found a cause to use that and turn it completely around. Absolutely. And what are some of those groups, do you know? Yeah, I mean, like I said, you said RAIN. Uh, in New Jersey, there's the Sexual Assault Victims Group. Um, in, in Bergen County itself, uh, it's called a healing space. It's, it's, it's through the, y, uh, the YWCA. Um, great, great people there. Just to pick up the phone and to just to call and to talk to somebody. Um, you know, we, we have, there, there's other groups here. If, you, if, you're, if you're not just being sexually abused and you're being abused domestic violence-wise, the same thing. You know, there, there, there's groups out there that, that you could reach out for for support. Um, and you have to take advantage of it. If you, if you don't take advantage of what's out there, then the suffering continues. Because if you're thinking about it, if it's on your mind what it is that's going on with you or has happened to you and you're thinking about it, it means you're still suffering. Some people are able to maybe shut it out completely and don't want to relive it, don't want to rehash it. I completely understand. Me personally, I, I completely understand. But if you're suffering, if you feel the consequences as to what it is that has happened, take advantage of what's out there. I'm going to ask you to do something pretty difficult, but I think maybe my logic makes sense. If someone is listening to this and they've been and they're still going through something horrible and they don't have the courage because maybe they can't get out of the situation so there is no like they live there with the person that's victimizing them. Can you give me one example of a sexual crime to you know paint the paint the picture much more dramatically what what happened what was going on who was involved and ultimately how they got out of that situation? And then also do it from the physical aspect. And the reason why is not to glorify these stories is for them to see, hey, this happened to somebody that you helped. 
This is how bad that abuse was. And they were able to get out of it. So if they were, so are you. It, you see what I'm saying? The, yeah, the, un, the, un, the unfortunate thing. Because there's some strength the un, in yeah, hearing the, that, okay, this the, person. The, the unfortunate thing is, is that there's no one that just stands out because. I mean, a really bad one. There's, right? there's it's got to be like, I mean, I'm talking about bad. So maybe when they look at it, they're like, damn, mine's not even that bad. I, I gotta, if they could do it, I can do it. I, I, Does that make sense yes, in a, a way? I, 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 I did have, I, I did have a case that, that, I'm, that I'm, I recall. That maybe even shook you to your core. You know what I mean? Yeah, there, there was, you know, it, it, it took a lot because over the years, like I said, you start to become. I hate to use the word, the but desensitized pieces. a little bit. Yeah, um, but, but. I did have one, I had one where a, a young girl sustained in, internal physical injuries. Now, when you say young. Under the age of 13. That's young. Okay. Um, sustained physical, internal physical injuries. And when I say meaning internal physical injuries, it was a result of sexual abuse. That girl, it was it was brought to our attention. I'm, I'm going. This is going back a number of years. I now it, it, I'm, I'm recalling it. She she did not want to talk to anyone. She was completely completely shut down. Um. And and some people, you know, some people think that you know maybe. It's easier for them to talk to a woman. Sometimes it is, and we have female detectives. Sometimes it's it's not easy to talk to a woman. Um, but I went in a second time because of because we had we had the medical Proof. evidence, the medical evidence that the this girl was sexually abused. And again, you know, I'm, I'm asking people to read between the lines with what I'm saying when I say the medical evidence of a young child, you know. It was that bad. That yeah. there was physical, you didn't, yes. even, you didn't even need to know that something happened here that maybe even altered that body part. Yes. yes. It was bruising, damaging, bleed. We, we get the picture. Anyway, she found the strength. She found the strength to tell the truth and this was this was not something that was who was doing it to her family member family member and it wasn't and and, and it wasn't a father but a close family member. yeah close family member. first level cousins uncles whatever and the you know the the child was threatened you know everything everything that would happen you can't say anything if you say anything you know you're going to get hurt everybody's going to get hurt i'll kill everybody a lot of times that's all bullshit when they say that of course it is it's a bluff it's a it's a it's a it's a it's like a a, a weapon that they try to control to scare you with that yes. i'm gonna kill they're not gonna kill shit if you're listening the to this you just said control exactly the key don't word. be scared of that if you're listening that that that's the key word that's the number one control. seems very common number one thing that they would say i'm gonna kill your mom i'm gonna kill you i'm gonna kill everyone you keep your mouth shut and that's yeah. it yeah yeah very common. Ninety nine percent of the time, not even a hundred percent of the time, it never happens. It's all bullshit. It's just a way they use you to keep you in that position that you're in right now. 
that that's that's true it's 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 to gain the upper hand to gain the the uh, the the upper strength to control to control you so that you don't say anything about what's happening but but ultimately this girl that that one did it end up going to trial do you remember i know that you have worked as, on a, so many as a matter of fact you know not now that i remember the i i i think the person fled and I don't know if that person was ever caught. Well, hopefully, we, I'm going back. I'm going back. Into hopefully, the, they died. I'm a going slow back death. into the you know to the 90s. Either way, it one. still ended the abuse. It ended the abuse and brought the power back to the victim. And and, and that's what we want to do. Because think about it, the rest of the family finds out they had no idea what was going on. That person, they could run away all they want. They can't run away from what they did. They lost. Their life, you saved your own life. When we, you know, one of the one of the things that that's that's, you know, that could that could the, the I I remember the first the, one of the I remember was we were going through in the you know the first few cases that I had early in my career with child sexual abuse, um, we would we would have the child go for physical exams, and if things weren't intact then we you know we really knew that something bad was really going on and that's tough that that's tough that's hard because you know now the child is not just feeling the the mental effects but they're also feeling the physical the the, the damage that's 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 being done i mean it, again you know to live with that over the over a lifetime it's just i i, I can't imagine I'm going to move this in a, in, a, in a different area now. So hopefully up until now, you've heard what you needed to hear. You can reach out to us, information is there. You can message me. I'll get you in touch with Eric, whatever you want to do. Um, I want to ask you about two subjects that are pretty prevalent, especially right now with everything that's going on. There's been a lot of clergy. Now, we've only really started hearing about this in the last 10 years. In all those years that we're talking about before the whole scandal with the churches and the clergy people, were any of these cases ever coming forward during this time in the, in the early yes. 80s? They, they, so how did things get they, so, I mean, they, what they, happened? Man? I mean, can you shed any we, light we, on we, that? We, we've, we've had cases um, more so when I was the, uh, the supervisor in charge of the unit that, that dealt with um, clergy, priests, um, You know, Beck, I don't, I, I don't know how to categorize. But the, people were coming for it, though? I mean, it was, because it seems like only recently. Now you hear commercials on the radio every no, 10 no, minutes. There was, there was, there were was, you a victim of clergy? I mean, you hear it on the no, radio. No, there was, there was times that people, people were coming forward. Um, were they getting prosecuted? I mean, what, what, what was going no. on? Why? I, I, I think that what one of the things that was, that was happening was is that there was, and I'm not saying that, the church was protecting its own, so to speak, um, because I, I don't want to alienate you know anybody in terms of any religion. Yeah, this, is, this is not no, this is not a, a matter. We're this not naming is, one denomination. This happens yeah, in all. This is not a matter to me. It's not a matter of of, of religion. Uh, if you if you're engaging in that activity, you're engaging in that activity. If it's a crime because of who you're doing it with, then it's a crime. Doesn't matter who you are. Um, 
but as far as as, as far as you know the church and, and and i mean listen this happened in even non-religious denominations day camps uh, the, the, the the boy scouts right one one of the problems back that that exists is daycares i mean it's happened so it's happens hell absolutely so we're not happens. Up, but i just feel like the, the this scandal became so big and I was just wondering how did it happen for so well, long, and not in just here in America. We're talking about globally. When abuse, when abuse like that happened so many years ago, and I'm we're talking, you know, years ago, when it's finally. And what is the statute of limitations? There is none anymore, but there used to be. There used to be a statute of limitations. When Isn't I was there a double-edged the, sword with that, though, man? Well, there. There used to be because cases would come forward. We would hear allegations of sexual abuse, um, but the statute of limitations expired. How long out. was it back then? Do you remember off the top of your head? It used to be five years. If it wasn't reported within five years at times. Um, now, that thankfully, that, that's all changed in terms of statute of limitations. But... That's why we're hearing the radio ads now. Yeah, Lawyers. a lot of a lot of a lot of the victims of of, of sexual abuse with, with the clergy that are coming out and disclosing the abuse, they may not even be seeking criminal prosecution. They're just divulging it. They're just letting people know I was a victim from this person. Yeah. Now we could reach out for that person and say, "Do you want to come in?" You know. Do you want to come in and, and initiate this through the judicial system? And a lot of times we're going to hear no. A lot of times we're going to hear no. I just, want, I just wanted people to know. I wanted people to know the truth. Okay. You know, and, and I've had people that have come in that have made allegations. This is, I do not wish to proceed or move forward with the criminal prosecution. I, but I want it documented and memorialized. And I would say yes. I'll take that. The reason why, because if somebody else does come forward about the same person, yeah, it, it adds credibility uh, uh, to it. So um, things like that are, are bad. And you mentioned teachers. And, and my, last, my last few years overseeing the unit, we, we arrested a number of teachers for engaging in sexual activities with students. Both male and female. Yeah, a, a number of cases. And as a matter of fact, there was a big article. I, Seems I like wish a lot I had of, it. I mean, lot, I'll, I'll, uh, maybe I could send it to you. There's been a lot lately in the papers, yeah. man. I mean, I, mean, I mean, we're talking about a, attractive teachers, women sleeping with teenage boys. And, and you know. And you don't allow with that. Oh, we, we had we we had. They're a married number. sometimes. And we they're had doing a this number of cases of teachers engaging in, 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 in inappropriate sexual conduct with students. Um. There, there was an article. We, 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 there was an article in the in the Bergen Record a, year, a few years back uh, before I before I retired. It had a it, it had a front page of like twenty plus teachers. I'll see if I can find it. Maybe I'll send it to you. Of, of twenty plus educators that that were were locked up. The majority of them were with me in 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 my unit at the time. And and I could never I could never understand that. You know why why a teacher would jeopardize their their career you know we you know i would say what are you doing why you know there's something called grooming you know when you i know you're going to talk about the one of the celebrity cases that's going on or the one that's popular here 
Um, it's a big case. You know, people that could t- people that can that could groom a child and take advantage of a child and manipulate, uh, you know, a young child makes 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 for you know somebody to be victimized you know people make these jokes you know you saw some of these attractive teachers they're on the front page of the paper or if i was me i would have never opened my mouth i mean i don't find it funny to be honest it's not funny it's not because the damage that's being done psychologically to that person in my opinion even if it's a beautiful teacher with a 17 year old it it there's there's some serious consequences to that and 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 think about when we talked about you know the willingness to to want to come forward of now that that student is still in school and everybody in the school knows everybody in the school knows no matter how much we try to protect the identity and the and and, and everything is about confidentiality of victims and it is in in a school setting once a teacher gets in you know in trouble with a student most of the time the entire school knows and then think about what it's like for that student to have to go back into that school. so then what the hell does a student do they, they they have to do what's right they still have to to do it because they may not be the only one and sometimes the floodgate opens once one student or one, one listen it doesn't even have to be a student it could be under just like the same circumstances we're talking about once a victim comes forward it might open the floodgate for other victims to come in the forward. past just like this and you know so you you've done a service you've done a service to to prevent not just yourself maybe from being re-victimized continually but maybe somebody else who's being victimized at the same time uh now we're going to move into the final phase of this and it's what's going on right now you've heard about the epstein case jeffrey epstein how they got ghislaine maxwell in custody they just released documents today they were unsealed I don't want to get into all that because it's it's really a complicated thing. Presidents are implicated. Royal family members are implicated. We're talking about minors being flown into an island. How real is this sex trafficking thing, man? Leaving let's let's not even go into Epstein's story right now. How much sex uh, human trafficking have you dealt with? It's 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 right here in Bergen County, New Jersey. Human trafficking became very, very... And were you a part of that? Well, it, it started to become very, very prevalent towards the end of my career where it was becoming more public. Um, in fact, I, I, the state of New Jersey, when they, when they created the human trafficking laws in New Jersey, uh, had a big statewide conference. And, and I was asked if I would participate you know, in, in a segment on that talking about interview and interrogation with respect to, you know, interviewing victims and interviewing suspects of human trafficking. Uh, it's, it's become very, very prevalent of victims being solicited by individuals to engage in you know, we're going to talk about things of a sexual nature. You know, there's other types of human trafficking too. You know, labor, labor trafficking. Um, but, but in terms of, of, of sexual human trafficking, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a, it's a big, big deal. Um, I, you know, I recently read a case just, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple months ago of an individual that was, that was charged with human trafficking because he had brought some 
underage girls or maybe one or two, I don't remember the, uh, the exact number, into the, uh, one of the motels in South Hackensack. And, you know, I know you're familiar with the, the motels on Route 46 in South Hackensack. I, mean, I drive past them. I never stayed I mean, You know what I mean. Because anybody that. that drives on 46 knows no, that they, yeah, there's, there's a sides. host of motels over there. Um, and this, indi- you know, this individual was arrested for human trafficking. He, was, he had women working for him who were underage, engaging in prostitution on his behalf so he can make money. So he could make money by trafficking these, these women. So it's extremely prevalent and, and it has become, over the last uh, several years, it, it, it has become a big, a big deal. And it, and it does exist and it is real. This is what I want people to listen to. And I want them to understand because I've, I've thought really deeply about this. You think it's harmless because you're going to a brothel. You think it's harmless because you're going to a massage parlor again, a happy ending. You think you're in Germany because I've been there and I've seen it with my own eyes and in Amsterdam. And yes, it's legal in their country. Literally legal, right? Open market, like legal. You think that is harmless? You're raping somebody. Nine out of ten times, most of them are not doing that because they want to do it. No, Would you that, say that's, that's accurate or no? That, that is accurate. Maybe one out of ten in Germany where it's legal, they're just doing it for the money and they have other issues, but I can guarantee you even in those countries, those women are trafficked. No, 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 that, that, that is accurate. So um, I want you to know when you're going to get that rubber tug, whatever you guys call it, the nicknames, happy ending, that woman is being forced to perform sexual acts on you for your money. You are raping them. They're not there because I want to cut because maybe people don't understand. Oh, they're doing it for the money. No, no. You are raping and sexually abusing someone. 99% chance, in my opinion. Here's the expert. What would you say the odds are? Oh, I, I, I agree with you that I agree with you that probably the majority of the women that work in those types of facilities are there because they have to be there. They have to be there, whether they are indentured servants. Yep. That's exactly what I was going to say. That, that was their ticket to get into America. Yep. They have. They or have, they were they, kidnapped. They owe money. Okay. They or refugees, whatever family. it is. Yeah. I'll go a step further. When it comes to pornography, and I am not a fan of it. We've all been out of lessons. We've all, you can type in two words and you see it in two seconds, which is why this generation of parent has the hardest job ever, I think, in the history of being parents, ever. Because I can protect my kid, not give him a phone, but everyone else has him. And hey, Jimmy, look at this. And your child's innocent is lost in seconds. So that's what I'm up against, man. The internet. Pornography, though, I come to the same conclusion. Most of those women and a lot of foreign videos and that are forced to make those videos. So you may be pleasuring yourself or whatever the case may be, not to get graphic, but you're probably witnessing the rape of someone on video. And I think if you can think of it that way, you might think twice before you go and say, let me look up a couple images or whatever. Yeah, I, I don't think you... I'm very anti. Yeah, well, I, I, I used to it. joke around about it. I can't sit here and say I've never seen images like that. But when I thought like this, I said, not on my patrol. People send me like jokes, videos. I said, do me a favor, man. Don't ever send me that shit again. Why, man? I said, it's not funny. I, I've, I've had oh, an that, epiphany. That, that's, I've had an epiphany. That's your 
that's your personal beliefs with respect to that. And that's that. I've had an epiphany, man. And I'm very proud to say it's been a very long time since I've seen any of that type of garbage and filth because when I think about the source and I think this is the time to talk about these things, like they talk about the great awakening that, that the world is having and what's been going on, that with the case like Epstein, how people like Cindy McCain, John McCain's wife came forward and said even a almost future president knew about this. That's her words on C-SPAN. I've played the clip. It's on my channel. It's everywhere. It went viral. They didn't say nothing about these things. They didn't do nothing about these things. And we're not going to get into conspiracy theories, but people seem to be getting killed that are close, even a little bit close to these cases. I don't know how comfortable you feel about it. What's your humble opinion, man? Honestly. My humble opinion, having read somewhat about this. Have you been following? I mean, that's right Epstein, up your alley, man. Yeah, the, Epstein, right up the Epstein thing, I, I, I've, I did. There's been a couple documentaries on... Uh, on Yes, online, you know, Reddit, TV. and all that stuff. Uh, Netflix had a big one. One of them was, you know, with following the the money and with him. Do I believe that it happened? Absolutely, I believe it what happened. What do you think was going on on that island? What What happened? What, do you what, think there was murder? I don't Again, know. this is opinion. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I mean, these are people that came from maybe war zones, traffic. There's no one really that knows where they are anymore. I mean, why not make them disappear? Possible. Absolutely. Is, is it very possible that people were killed? Of course. Of course it's possible. Do you think it was possible for these people, high-profile people, to keep going there 10 times, 20 times and not know what this guy was up to, in your humble opinion? You see, We're not naming who no, was no, no, there, I, but I just in, in it, your humble opinion. You see, it, it, it's hard. When, when Cindy McCain says, Epstein was hiding in plain sight. We all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing. We all knew. It, we all knew yeah. about what he was doing. So how the f*** if you guys knew could you visit that island 20, 30 times and not know? And people talk, right? Like, this is where the conspiracies are fueled. I get it. This is where the anger is coming from. And this is why people are pissed. I, I get it. That it, Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, shit. I mean, how the f*** did he kill himself in a maximum? So this is the federal judge, Silas, they're saying, uh, I'm not saying it. We don't know the details of the case, but come on. She's loosely connected to this. And she gets her son killed. They're saying it was an anti-feminist. you know, feminist. This is just fueling more and more and more of not only the conspiracies, but how serious this thing is for the whole world, not just for America, for the whole entire world. If people in royal family, I mean, at the highest levels, man. For it, it, for some me, of the allegations are even child sacrifice, right? I mean, these are some of the rumors. For me, because of what I did for my career, in my professional career, I'm obligated to follow the evidence. The evidence that, that we deal with is what is a victim saying happened? A live victim. Remember, and you know, we talk about sex crimes involve live victims a homicide involves a deceased victim who can't speak a sex crime victim can speak so i i i base my my opinions on what i hear and what's being told to me based on on this whole big cluster that that's been going on with, with with the Epstein case is is 
it's it's hard it, it's hard to disprove it hard to disprove it that that this individual Maxwell now that she's being accused of of helping solicit women to participate in what was going on um it's it's hard to to disprove that that it didn't happen um I don't know the number of of alleged women that I think anybody does. that that came out and said that they were a part of of this um I'm scared there's a lot of dead people that's my fear you know and and again that could that be in the realms of possibility take a kid out of a war zone nobody knows they were, they were assumed dead you just throw them in the freaking ocean when you're done i mean i don't know I, you know there was a lot of the, you said there's a lot of famous names that gone being, multiple times that on being, flight logs that are being, confirmed that are being thrown around today um, it's all over the headlines with it former you know, presidents i i know i, I saw this that. is in the headlines this is not me gossiping anymore this was released what, we don't have all the details yet. What? What? what do you would, think we will? Do you think we'll? Do you well, think that's, for once the world's going to see the What will be interesting to see is whether or not women who now are prob, you know, are clearly over the age of eighteen, meaning they're not a child anymore by law. Under the age of eighteen means you're a child. If you get a number of women that come forward that say this is what happened epstein paid me to come and sexually service individuals for money then that's trafficking right then and there without even if they're over the age hmm? even if they're over the age even if they're over the age and they chose to go voluntarily yeah even if they're 30 even if they it, it that it, that's what it is but it would be interesting to see if if any other women come forward and and talk about it now again this is this goes right back to the the whole part of what we were talking about is is like why don't they come forward and talk about it could they be threatened could they be i mean these are powerful could people. they be they got connections fearful? of course could they be embarrassed of course you know um, when you take, when you go back, when you go into a civil lawsuit, like the one woman that, which resulted in this, these Maxwell uh, uh, documents being released. Because that was is, a civil thing. Yeah. Criminal charges still haven't civil, been so brought forth. The victim's name is out there in the public. If it's criminal, you're not going to know who these, you're not going to know who the victims are because they have, a, they have an expectation and a right of privacy. So there could be. And for their own but, safety, but if these what? are high-profile people. But, but guess what? We may not know anymore. You know why we may not know? Because he's gone. She's not gone, though. Now, what happens if, God forbid, she dies? What would that lead you to think, in your opinion? <laughs> Big cover-up, no? Then you're talking true conspiracies. Then you're talking... Uh, a, a you can let the first suicide go. But let's say she's suicide somehow again. We're in custody. That's a hard pill to swallow, no? That would be very, very hard to swallow, considering that Epstein was uh, supposedly attempted to uh, kill himself earlier uh, before he successfully committed suicide. the the official The official records, medical records, and and investigative records say it, it's suicide. Okay, it's suicide. Um, what what 
is a, would be of a concern to me is once somebody attempts to harm themselves in custody, that person is supposed to be under 24-7 guard or monitor. And especially someone of that caliber. Yeah, supposed to be. Come on. You know, so... Again, this is this is what adds to the conspiracy of, of how was he, you know, able to to be able to do that. I don't know. A lot of people think that almost everything that's going on right now might be because of this case. These are some of the whirlwind, you know, rumors that very powerful people involved with connections in every government around the world, billions and billions of dollars, and tell it, you name it, and all of this shit's going on maybe because they're unleashing havoc to throw everyone off their trail. <sighs> It, Could it be probable? Could it be possible? Here, here's when, 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 when I'm asked a question like that, I say anything's possible until proven otherwise. You know, I mean, right? That, that's what it is. It, it, can it be proven otherwise or not? You know, it, it, sort, of, it sort of leads me back to my, my de- when, when the detectives work, working for me, we, when we, we, we would discuss cases, you know, Tell me, tell me what you think. You know, they'd be like, I, you know, I don't, I don't know. You know, when allegations come forward, they would talk to the victim, then they would talk to the suspect. The suspect would be like, absolutely not, I didn't do it, and they wouldn't, you know. And I'd say, well, all right, well, we're going to have to do an investigation. I'd say, in my mind, I would be like, we're going to do this investigation full-blown, 100%, as best to our abilities to do it. And then I would say, can you prove... This is like if, if me talking to a detective, if this makes sense. Prove to me that it didn't happen. And then come back to me. And if a detective would come back and say, I can't prove it didn't happen, I'd say, well, then we're left with the possibilities that... It did happen. It, 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 it may have happened, right? <laughs> so In this case, why would you want to come forward? You're literally, your life might be in danger. You know, like I said, in this case, in this case, especially, can, can anybody can anybody prove it didn't happen? No, but it's starting to look a lot more like it did. So you know, that's the that's, and also that's that with this new revelation, we've just confirmed that they were in communication after even after he was arrested with yeah, three emails. I, I saw that. So there's already been big lies. So I think a lot of people might go down on this one, man. And and you know what, big that, people. If they do, I hope they do. Then so be it, because it's a purge. If, if, the world there, deserves there's the truth. Probably, there, there's probably no legitimate defense that they could give. They could, you could, could they turn around? Could somebody, let, let's say a celebrity or somebody famous is directly implicated and accused. And they will be. Could they turn around and say, yes, I was there. Yes, I engaged in these activities but there has to be a but. I had no idea that the the girl was sixteen or seventeen years or old. Or I did. What kind of a deal are you going to give me so I don't go to jail and I yeah. hope you get the bigger fish at the top? You think there's a lot of that going on right now? That could be. If like we don't know how far they are and they're whatever they're doing, but from a from a police perspective, from a legal perspective, would they be willing to those that come forward first say, hey, we'll work, we'll cooperate for reduced sentences, maybe even get off the hook for immunity, if, especially if they're going after former. Big people, man. I mean, that's a possibility. Well, let, right? me, let me let me tell you this. Now, there's tapes. You think that yeah, uh, let, let the me, government let me, has these tapes now, by well, now, let, right? Let me, let me let me tell you this. If she's in custody and these tapes exist, you, do you think that our government has these tapes now? 
the one thing about the one thing about the federal government and the FBI is is that they are extremely thorough. And when I say thorough, they are thorough to a point where their investigations could go on for years. For years. And they'll let it keep going to build the case. Now, as far as people cooperating, here's, here's my, my feeling with respect to that. There should be no cooperation allowed. Why? You don't cooperate and give up people when you're engaging in inappropriate criminal sexual behavior. It's not like you get caught with drugs and you say, I'm going to give you the person that I'm, I'm going to give up the person that I'm getting the drugs from and let it go up the chain, right? Cooperation. You're part of a, a, a different criminal organization and you're, you're ratting people out for your, for your benefit to avoid a lengthy prison sentence or any prison whatsoever. You're, you're giving people up. This is a crime that involves a person who's been victimized. What are you saying to that victim that had the courage to come forward? So there are no deals done in these situations usually. I wouldn't accept a deal. I, I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Like, I can't fathom. I can't fathom. I can't fathom a suspect. So it's either deny or die, basically. I can't fathom a suspect who's been accused of a sex crime. Of sexually assaulting a, a, a per, another person coming in and saying listen i could give up a b and c who's involved in criminal activity for some preferential treatment with respect to what's going on with this i'm being accused of that would never come into discussion i don't know how i would be able to compel somebody to come forward and, and, and talk about it because like I said you know they you, there, there, there has to be also you, what benefit is it for that person to come forward also when you're, when you're reporting that you've been victimized of, 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 a, of a sexual assault in, in some way shape or form you know the benefits of coming forward is, is you're, you're preventing it from happening again you're, you know, we're seeking justice for a crime that was committed against you as a person, um, which nobody deserves. The person who's responsible needs to pay the consequences for their illegal actions. I was sexually abused. I saw other girls being abused. Some of them were 12, 10, whatever, by some of the most famous and prominent people in the world. First of all, would you feel like your life was in danger? That's part of my job. I, I don't... I mean, I this is a crazy question, but I want to say, let's say you were the first person to ever know as a law enforcement officer of I, something of this magnitude. What, what the f*** would you do? I, I mean, I... What do you think you would do if you were still on the would, job? What, what I would do is, is I would do what I know I'm supposed to do, which is, a, which is the same thing as if it was that person reporting it against a family member, an acquaintance, or an unknown person. I would still tell the person this is what is the right thing to do by being honest, by telling the truth. Let us do our investigation. 
to the best of our abilities and give you all the support that you need as long as this takes moving forward. I would not push the person out the door. I would not, nothing like that, you know, and say like, oh, this, you know, this could come back and jeopardize me. That's part of, that's part of what I do. You, you know, take an oath. Yeah, I, I, I want the people to blame me, you know, for, 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 for doing my job. Blame me for doing my job. That's absolutely fine. That comes with the territory. Don't blame the person for coming forward and telling the truth who's been victimized, you know? So I would, I would treat it as if I would treat it every other single case. I, I've had allegations against people that have been famous. You know, we, we've had them. We've, we've had, I, I don't want to mention, specific, mention yeah. specifics, but, there, but you, you've mentioned that there's people that, that live in Bergen County that are, that are famous. Very powerful. You know, very wealthy. You have hedge fund had, managers. You have, all, I mean, had, you have people worth millions and billions. Who've had parties at their homes where young children were and sexual activities have occurred between adults and minors, you know? And they knowingly did that. Absolutely knowingly did it. And did they go down? No. Crazy. No. Folks, we have one of the country's leading experts in sexual crimes. Well, I don't know. We could say country. State of New Jersey, the most <laughs> populated, densely populated state. Not populated. This California's bigger, but he's seen a lot in his career. He shared some very powerful information with us to get into the mind of a predator and the victim and to give the people that listen to this the strength and the courage to come forward and to save their lives and the lives of others before it happens to them. And that's to me is the most powerful point to galvanize, to strengthen yourself and realize if you don't come forward, it's going to happen to someone else. And imagine how you feel right now, what you deal with every day, it'll happen to them. You can stop that. You can be the hero. No matter what you've been through in this life, no matter how bad it is, no matter what's going on in your life, as long as you have air in those lungs, Eric, you can always make a comeback. I'm here with Eric Baum, and we'll do a follow-up. After this whole thing is done, I'd like to hear your perspective. Once we know the facts, cases go on, trial, whenever this whole thing is done, I definitely want to bring you back. It, it, it was my pleasure. And like I said, I know this is a very, very um, important topic to talk about and, and giving me an opportunity to share some of my experiences and to maybe, even if it's one person, to empower them to feel better about coming forward if they are being victimized or have been victimized and to know that there are people that will help you support you and to help you move forward because that's what it's all about then for me for me it's worth it to save one life is to have saved all of humanity beck lover we'll see you next stay safe and god bless beck.